Sometimes you just want the quick facts. No opinions, no speculation. I'm Claire Thornton, an audio editor with USA Today. My team works around the clock to bring you the Five Things podcast. Every morning, me and my co-host Taylor Wilson help you know what to keep an eye out for that day. We always have a fresh mix of stories, from politics to entertainment to sports, covering all parts of the country. On Sundays, you can lean back with in-depth episodes about stories you may have heard earlier that week. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite shows and start listening to Five Things today. Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Florida lawmakers react to the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial. Pardon Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn buys a home in Florida. And the legislative session is nearing the end point with big issues like the budget still in flux. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson. And those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns and Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy. But first... That music means it's time to pick a number. Remember these numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. John, what's your number today? Zach, I am wielding a number this week. It's 375. All right. How about you, Antonio? Well, you know what? On this Earth Day, I'm going to go with 33. 33. And my number is 969. Again, remember those numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, a jury in Minneapolis convicted white police officer Derek Chauvin of the murder of a black man named George Floyd, who has become an icon in the racial justice movement. Floyd's death resonated around the world, including here in Florida. Antonio, what was the reaction among Florida leaders to Chauvin's conviction? You know, first of all, we have to say that the most intense reaction involving a Floridian uh, didn't happen in Florida, and it wasn't even directly related to the verdict. It actually happened on Capitol Hill, where Orlando Congresswoman Val Demings, a Democrat, got into a verbal fisticuffs with Ohio Republican Congressman Jim Jordan. The heated argument stemmed from Demings criticizing Republicans for, as she said, using law enforcement officers as pawns. Demings, who is, by the way, a former police officer and police chief in Orlando, was was criticizing specifically a GOP amendment to policing legislation before the House, legislation inspired by the Floyd killing and other police shootings of blacks. Uh, The GOP amendment in question was aimed at preventing that legislation from defunding police agents, departments and the agencies, even though the legislation doesn't take funds away from law enforcement. Uh, When Jordan interrupted Demings, the two got into a shouting match, and it was a shouting match that made all the cable television news programs. Now, close to the home, the direct reaction across Florida to the the conviction, the Floyd case, ranged from relief to, well, silence. Uh, Few political leaders issued lengthy, introspective, or even vocal statements. Uh, Congresswoman Lois Frankel, West Palm Beach Democrat, said the verdict brought tears of joy and hope to millions of Americans, and she called on the U.S. Senate to act on police legislation named after George Floyd. Uh, Florida lawmakers, particularly black senators and representatives, uh, noted that they had braced themselves for the worst, acquittal, and were relieved by the three guilty verdicts. All said they were not in a celebratory mood, however, and, and they noted there was still much work to be done. Uh, one of the more intriguing reactions, however, was in Palm Beach County. There aren't many places in America where police officers have been convicted of unjustifiably killing black Americans. Palm, 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 
But Palm Beach County is one of those. A few years ago, former Palm Beach Gardens police officer Newman Raja was convicted for the 2015 fatal shooting of Corey Jones, a black man who had pulled off an Interstate 95 exit ramp when his van broke down uh, late on a Saturday evening. Uh, Jones, a drummer with a band and a member of a well-known family, was waiting for a tow truck when then-Officer Raja, on a burglary-related stakeout in a nearby hotel, recklessly confronted Jones. The encounter ended with Raja shooting and killing Jones. Raja was charged in the shooting and became the first Florida police officer in in roughly three decades to be convicted for an on-duty police shooting. He is now currently serving a 25-year sentence, which he is still appealing and fighting. Uh, The Minneapolis trial of Derek Chauvin, the former police officer, Uh, caught on video killing George Floyd, brought back strong memories and painful emotions in Palm Beach County from Curry Jones' family and civic and political leaders. But the Jones case and the Floyd case demonstrate that if public servants stand up for what is right, some measure of justice can be achieved when fatal wrongs are committed by officers sworn to protect and defend the public. Uh, That should be the legacy of the Floyd case in Florida. But I was reminded by some of my sources that it may not be. And gentlemen, I have been reminded that the legacy of the George Floyd murder and Chauvin trial has yet to play out in Florida. That's because the anti-protest bill the Florida legislature passed this year and Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law a day before the Chauvin verdict has not yet really been employed. Uh, It also hasn't been challenged in the courts, so we have yet to see and hear the last of that new law. So, yes, Chauvin has been convicted. The trial is over. The reaction has been seen. But in Florida, the legacy of of George Floyd's killing and the wave of social justice protests and demonstrations that horrific incident sparked is far from clear. John, there's been a push by Florida Democrats to advance police reforms in the wake of Floyd's death. Where do those uh, stand as the legislative session winds down? Well, there are signs that uh, something is going to happen very generally on the topic of police reform. Now, of course, this comes after uh, the legislature passed and uh, DeSantis signed uh, what Antonio just referred to, the controversial House Bill 1, the uh, anti-riot, anti-protest bill that uh, creates new penalties and even uh, new crimes related to protests that turn violent. That uh, legislation was viewed as uh, DeSantis's response to the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, now a punishment that many think will be applied more stringently against black demonstrators and social justice protests uh, that could spark even more uh, confrontations with police uh, people fear but uh, back in February the legislative about black caucus uh, unveiled a, a, a package of bills that they wanted considered that were aimed at heightening police training and accountability and uh, de-escalating police aggression uh, of course uh, the, the, this caucus is a uh, comprised primarily of Democrats, and uh, none of these bills were heard. But uh, House Bill uh, 1, with Republicans uh, behind it, uh, it, it, after that has passed now, and DeSantis uh, signed it while the uh, Derek Chauvin jury was still out in Minnesota, um, there seems to be a a package of reforms now coming out of the state house that... um, are still subject to negotiation with the Senate, but these include many of the same concepts that were proposed by the Black Caucus and uh, include new police hiring standards and uh, use of force training. So uh, what, what's being proposed would require officers to render medical assistance if people uh, you know, looked injured, if they're uh, being detained, and uh, help recognize and uh, engage uh, more appropriately with people with substance abuse disorders and 
mental health problems. These seem like kind of, uh, you know, obvious steps, but uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, as a part of the training regimen for, for law enforcement, they're considered somewhat significant. So uh, I think an agreed upon package is going to come together. It may be seen by Republican leaders as something of a payback for having passed the reviled uh, House Bill 1, but the uh, Black Caucus is supporting the ideas coming together, and Republican leaders uh, also have gotten behind it. So you know, watch for something to be finalized before the session ends on uh, April 30th. And uh, you know, maybe DeSantis will say something about this, because he offered very little about the uh, Derek Chauvin verdict and the uh, George Floyd killing other than to go on Fox News's uh, Laura Ingram and uh, accuse Democrats of pushing a big lie that there is a systemic racism in this country. Uh, DeSantis said that uh, I think it's very damaging because it's uh, an attempt to delegitimize all the institutions in our country. So uh, DeSantis is really playing to that uh, Fox News audience with his statements uh, following uh, the Chauvin verdict verdict and, uh, you know, just about everything related to the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, those were some interesting uh, comments by DeSantis, and it definitely does seem like Republicans are more interested in focusing on HB1, that anti-riot bill. But uh, while that has overshadowed some of these police reforms, it does seem like uh, there are some tangible um, reforms that uh, could come out of uh, Floyd's death here in Florida. So that's um, something interesting to watch. And police reforms are among many issues Florida lawmakers debated this year during the 60-day legislative session, which is wrapping up next week. John, what are some of the other big issues that are still in flux as the session uh, winds down. I know the budget is a big one. Yeah, well, the the worst is still to come out of the 2021 legislature. There's a, a lot to finish up. But uh, yeah, the $100 billion budget is the uh, biggest issue out there. There's a, a private school voucher expansion getting approved this week and the governor's social media punishments that he wants, along with an elections overhaul that uh, limits vote by mail and uh, ballot drop boxes. Uh, those are still to be decided, still to be finalized, but they all look like they're going to happen. Uh, the, the budget, though, is the big enchilada. And so much of the policy is driven by the budget as well, like the governor's environmental priorities, uh, clean up at Manatee County's Piney Point Industrial Reservoir that got so much attention earlier this month, school money, university and hospital spending, all that's uh, rolled into the budget. And uh questions about a lot of where it's going to land. The uh, the biggest problem Republican leaders have is that they have too much money to spend. Along with the uh, $10.2 billion uh, Biden administration uh, money that was sent to Florida as part of the American Rescue Plan, there are billions of more dollars that have flowed directly to hospitals and universities, and lawmakers are struggling to uh, wrap their arms around all of it. Um, Republicans right now seem more intent on using the federal stimulus money for in infrastructure projects, uh, state building repairs, reserves, and creating a new emergency fund uh, that could be used for post-hurricane spending. But even DeSantis has talked about making, you know, a thousand dollar payments directly to teachers, principals, first responders, law enforcement people, uh, firefighters, EMTs, other personnel, uh, you know, a a, a sort of a variation of what you've seen at the federal level uh, with all this money. Um, Democrats generally are pushing for more of this to go directly to Floridians. And they've made a strong case for fully funding things like the state's arts and cultural funding that needs $52 million worth. And uh, 
also trying to scale back some of these lengthy waiting lists for needed services like elder care and help for people with disabilities. But Republicans don't look like they're uh, going in that direction. They they worry about the, the recurring nature of some of these programs. And they say that the, the $10 billion is just one-time money so that these uh, any kind of expansion of a program, that, that bill will come due to the state you know, next year or the year after. But Democrats want Republicans to get a little bit of creative with this massive amount of money they had. But, uh, you know, hey, Republican leaders in the state budget are like the uh, story about the dog chasing a car and what he would do with it if he caught it. Uh, the, the, the party in power in Florida has been so disinclined to spend for so long now that they actually have big money at their disposal. They don't know what to do with it. And uh, that's going to take uh, you know, a lot of uh, challenging decisions to be made in the last days of session, which, uh, of course, you know, is set to end at the end of this month. All right. A lot still up in the air when it comes to uh, the next state budget. Well, as if Florida wasn't already dripping with MAGA energy as the home of former President Donald Trump and many prominent supporters, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn joined the mix as the latest MAGA star to call himself a Florida man. Flynn bought a home in an upscale gated community in Englewood, which is between Fort Myers uh, and Sarasota here in Florida. Flynn famously got caught up in the investigation into ties between Trump's campaign and Russia, pled guilty to lying to the FBI and was eventually pardoned by Trump. Antonio Flores home to Trump, the Trumpiest governor in the country and Ron DeSantis, Trump's two most famous children, Ivanka and Donald Trump Jr. And now Mike Flynn. There's no doubt this is really the center of the MAGA universe, right? No, there hasn't been any doubt about that, uh, Zach. And uh, But Flynn, as you mentioned, does have a special role in the MAGA universe uh, of, of stars. Uh, for starters, he was one of the originals that coined that lock or up chant in the 2016 president election in which uh, Trump beat Hillary Clinton. That chant, by the way, spoke to the singular focus, if not obsessive way, that Trump nation viewed government corruption and malfeasance. And ultimately, if you follow the uh, the line here, it ultimately mushroomed into a storming of the U.S. Capitol in the wake of the baseless election fraud claims. Now, but you're right. No, Florida has always been the center of the Trump universe. And add, you can add to the list, for example, Dr. Ben Carson and Wilbur Ross, both of whom served in Trump's cabinet. Uh, they did so from wire to wire during that tumultuous one term. There you have the likes also of fashion designer Lana Marks and businesswoman Robin Freeman, both Palm Beachers who served in the Trump administration as ambassadors. Then there are the political operatives like former campaign chairman Paul Manafort and confident Roger Stone. Uh, I grouped those two together not only because they were partners in the political consulting firm, uh, but also they, they got pardons on the same day. And then there are other connections here. And, and we're not the only ones that take a notice of this. Uh, just this morning, for example, the Lincoln Project rolled out a new ad intended specifically for the Fox News channel in Palm Beach County. Uh, the ad taunts Trump by saying it's now Mitch McConnell, who is the leader of the GOP. It's an ad that plays off the tension between the two men. And if you have been following uh, Mr. Trump's uh, press releases now, not Twitter account, but his press releases, uh, you'll know what those, that tension is. Now, the question, though, and that's the one that we keep asking down here, is what is next for Trump and MAGA world? That's what everyone is waiting on. Obviously, the top of mind thing is whether the 
former president will be the next Grover Cleveland by making a comeback presidential run in 2024. But there's been other speculation and expectations. Uh, Trump's aides have spoken about the launch of a digital platform to return Trump to social media communications. A detailed announcement could come as early as this spring. There's also been talk that Trump would start a television network. But that speculation seems to have gone dormant for you know, months ago. It actually quieted down right after lawsuits stemming from the baseless election fraud claims were filed against Fox News and other Trump-backing uh, news networks. There's also been speculation that Trump would re-energize a family business, real estate, and center it here in Florida. After all, Florida, like the Trump name itself, is synonymous with real estate. The one thing we haven't heard a peep about is a Trump presidential library or museum. There's just been dead silence on that, which all some tell me it all points to the notion or belief that Trump is indeed planning a return to the presidential campaign trail in 2024. You know, we'll see. But whatever the next act is for the leader of Trump Nation, it's a good bet to count that it will be run from the base here in Florida. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see how all of these um, Trump world uh, people uh, affect the state politics, you know, as Ron DeSantis runs for reelection here um, and others, uh, you know, how, how does that influence, um, you know, GOP politics in Florida? Mike Flynn is already scheduled to participate in a political rally um, in Bradenton this weekend. So he, he seems to be uh, interested in staying involved in politics. But we'll move on to some numbers here. John, tell us about yours. I did. Zach, I had 375 and that's three. $375, the maximum weekly unemployment pay that Senate President Wilton Simpson says is still on the table as the legislature starts winding down. Uh, the current maximum unemployment for the past decade has been $275 a week, one of the lowest levels in the nation. And what many saw as the inadequacy of this rate was seen when uh, Florida's unemployment rate soared to a 50-year high during the early stages of the pandemic. But Simpson's hope for the uh, three 75 uh, looks like a long shot. Governor DeSantis dismissed the idea a week ago. Uh, he said that he's focused on putting people back to work. And the House on Tuesday killed a Democratic amendment that would have uh, brought the uh, maximum pay to that level, that 375 level. Democrats had once wanted $500 a week, but that was voted down by the Republican majority who seemed to uh, base their decision on having seen uh, a few signs in stores for help wanted and other anecdotes about companies paying people to come work for them. Uh, they, th those being signs of a labor shortage, which, you know, there are some examples of that, but you know, how that helps anyone who loses their job now isn't clear other than, uh, Presumably, if you lose your job in the hospitality industry or as a programmer or something, you're uh, not going to be made anywhere near whole with Florida unemployment. Instead, you should just go out and take that, uh, you know, fast food job that has openings. Uh, but, uh, you know, one thing to, to get into the math on it, think about it. The, the current $275 a week maximum benefit, that works out to be $6.87 an hour, almost $2 below the state's current minimum wage. Um, you know, meanwhile, while workers aren't getting much uh, attention in Tallahassee, employers did get bailed out by the Republican legislature. That is further infuriating to Democrats who, as I said, once thought about, you know, trying to pump this up to $500 a week, but would settle for the 375 right now if that could be kept alive. Uh, DeSantis the other night signed into law a measure that makes it easier for the state to collect all the sales tax it owes 
from online sales. And uh, that new tax money, about a billion dollars, will go to covering a tax increase that employers owe the state's unemployment compensation fund, which was depleted by the jobless benefits that were sent out during the pandemic. So basically, the workers and other consumers who buy online will help their employers pay their taxes, but their own chances of getting a higher weekly pay if they lose their job, well, that, that's not of much interest to DeSantis or the House right now. We'll uh, see how this winds up, but uh, Simpson and the Senate may have hope, but I've, I've seen this uh, imbalance before where you have a two against one fight in the legislature. It usually doesn't fare too well for the one that is uh, the one. All right. Well, it looks like the the long odds uh, to increase the yeah. unemployment benefits in Florida, which are among the lowest in the nation. Antonio, what's your number? Well, I had 33, as in 33 percent. A Florida Atlantic University survey this month found that in 2020, COVID infection rates among people under the age of 25 was 33 percent higher in Florida than in other states. Uh Patrick Burnett, a PhD and associate professor of health administration at FAU's College of Business, said that a higher infection rate put the state's large elderly population at an increased risk for coronavirus. In fact, he said Florida ranked among the states with the highest COVID-19 infection, infection rates for younger residents in 2020. Uh, Professor Burnett's findings published in the Journal of Public Health and Management and Practice also revealed, by the way, that the younger counties, meaning those those uh, counties in Florida with a lower median age, uh, had higher infection, emergency room and hospitalization rates among residents over the age of 64, while older counties, counties with an older population, experienced uh, reduced infection rates for all ages and decreased uh, over age 64 emergency room and hospitalization rates. Uh, why does this matter? Well, for one, it speaks to behavior from beaches to nightclubs to social hotspots. We've seen plenty of images of younger adults partying and in general taking coronavirus far less serious than the general population. Now, before you go, OK, boom, all OK, boomer on younger Floridians. Let me also remind you that since the inception of the pandemic, young people in Florida and in the United States have been repeatedly told by politicians and some public health officials that this virus is not really their problem. It's, it's an old people pandemic. Most recently, Governor Ron DeSantis, in defending his ban on vaccine passports, flatly stated that for your average 22-year-old, COVID is no worse than influenza. And he didn't want to tell that 22-year-old to get a vaccine so he or she could board a cruise ship. So it's, as Ronald Reagan would say, there they go again. Now, of course, there are now you know, COVID variants, and those variants have shown a propensity to hit younger people harder. So in a few months, the conventional wisdom may change here. But for now, the message of Florida's youngest from their leadership is never mind and carry on. And they have carried on indeed. Yeah, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you know, the uh, the number of coronavirus cases does appear to be the upswing here. So this pandemic is not over by any means. Well, my number is 969, as in House Bill 969. That's the Consumer Data Privacy Bill that cleared the House this week. The bill's uh, very popular. It is advanced with overwhelming bipartisan support. But what's so interesting about it, though, is that the business absolutely hate it. And yet the GOP-controlled legislature, which is normally very, very deferential to business is advancing it anyway. It just goes to show that the skepticism about big tech and how corporations are handling sensitive consumer data really does span the partisan divide, including here in Florida. 
This bill forces certain companies, those that have revenues over 50 million or focus their business on collecting and selling consumer data to disclose to consumers what information they have on them and give them the opportunity to opt out of that data collection. Businesses are really complaining that it will cost too much to comply. And they also really hate a provision in the House bill that would allow individuals to sue corporations that violate the new law. The Senate has already stripped that language out of its bill under pressure from big business. And now it's a question of whether the House will stand firm or water down the bill uh, under business pressure as well. It's one more issue to watch as the session winds down. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy. And thanks to all of you for listening. Stay safe. We're out of here.